Today, we're going to focus on the Christmas story according to Mary. And man, it was, I, I, as I was getting ready to share uh, her story and everything, like, I, I realized like, I could have spent all month. There's so much here. It was really hard to just narrow this down. Um, so maybe next year we'll spend all month talking about Mary because, wow, this, this woman's incredible. Um, I, think, I think you'd agree we don't hear a lot of sermons in church about women. Um, there's all kinds of reasons. One of the reasons is that there's an unequal amount of material that's about men, written by men. Um, the world that the biblical story was written in, it was a, it was a male-dominated culture. And, um, but the biblical story demonstrates again and again that, that Yahweh will meet a culture right where that culture is at, um, even if there's ways that seem, things seem to us you know, backwards and, and regressive. Yahweh will meet that culture right where that culture is at. He meets it, but then is at work to move it forward. And it's this long, the whole biblical story is just this long, drawn-out process of just thousands of years. And you just see Yahweh being incredibly patient with people because uh, people resist change, even if the change is really good and needed. So sometimes you see things move forward, sometimes you see it move back again and then forward again, and you just, you just look at the whole thing, you're like, man, Yahweh is so patient with us. But once Jesus shows up in the biblical story, we see this significant increase in the presence and the participation of women. And today, um, today I, I really see a hunger among Christian women to know that women get to be full participants in the Jesus movement, not, not just that women are recipients of his healing power, which they are, and not just that women are meant to be shown love and respect, which they should, but that women can be transformed for new life as full participants in what God's up to in the world. Full participants, full witnesses. And uh, I've got a lot of hopes for, the, for this church community, and one of those hopes is that women get to be full participants in their calling, in, in their gifting, and as they mature in their faith, that, that there's a, a trajectory for them that they can take off on, and that this would be a place for that to be formed in them and for them to be launched out into whatever God has for them. That's, that's a dream and a hope for me. Nothing would make me happier. To get there, um, many of us would need to experience an internal shift uh, in how we think, how we feel, because uh, maybe we've had a different experience, maybe we've had a different background, and we're like, yeah, but what about this or that part? And um, it, would, it would mean that especially the Christian men who are part of Reunion need to rethink our understanding of biblical women. Um, no longer are we supposed, supposed to see biblical women as examples just for women. Like, oh, well, you talk about that story at the women's conference or the women's retreat or whatever, and, and, and that's great. I'm glad there's a story for you. That can't be our, our mindset because these women are meant to be examples for women and men for how all of us are called to follow Jesus. Amen. And all right, yeah, yeah. You can cheer me on throughout this service. If there's, if there's, if there's something, you're, if you're feeling it, you can say, mm, or uh-huh, or amen, or, you know, or if you're worried about me and where I'm going with things, you say, help him, Lord, you know? Um, <laughs> so uh, I am sensitive, so use that one carefully, so... But, um, but if all of this feels like a huge leap for you to make and, and you're a man, um, let's remember that if you are a woman who's grown up in church, you, you had to get used to learning from biblical examples of the other gender a long time ago. That's, that's just been normal for you. 
So if it feels stretching for you, well, join the club. This is other people have had to get used to this for a long time. But um, but this could actually go even further. What if in the Jesus story we're witnessing forward movement, not just for men, not just for women, but for humanity? What if this is what if this is bigger than men and women? What if this is for the whole human race where God wants to take this thing? I love what Pastor Curtis pointed out last week, that at the very beginning of the biblical story, we didn't have Christians. There's a big chunk of the Bible before Jesus where people were not called Christians. And we, so we weren't called to be Christians at the beginning. We were called to be human. We were called to be fully human and to bring our full humanity before God and say, God, how can I be everything that you meant for me to be? How can I live out my fullest, truest humanity as my creator intended for me to be? And if that's the case, then I, I wonder, what if the gospel writers didn't just name female disciples in order to show future women how to follow Jesus? What if the gospel writers also intended men to learn from women on how to follow Jesus? And what if that's because what Yahweh is up, in, up to in the world, it goes beyond women and men, and this is for humanity? So what if this Christmas the women and the men of Reunion, we're looking to Mary as our example of how everybody can walk into a deeper level of trust and love and obedience to Jesus. That is, as I've sat with Mary's life, I just think that's the gift of her life and example for all of us today. There's, there's way too much. There were so many other things I wanted to tell you, and I guess maybe next year? I don't know. I don't know how to work it all in, but... Uh, at the bottom of my, whenever I'm preparing like my sermons or things like that, I have a, a part at the bottom called the bone pile, and it's where if there's anything that I had to cut, I just I put it down there just in case maybe it gets reworked in later. And and man, the the bone pile for the message on Mary was huge. There was just like oh, it was it, it was painful. It felt like cutting off an arm or something. Like I really wanted to share that part, but oh well. Um, she's amazing. I'll just say that. And and in Mary we have the first portrait of what it looks like for all of us to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a Christian, and to be a human. In Mary, even though there, at this point in the story there aren't any Christians yet, we get the first sneak preview of the Christian life. In Mary, we see how a human says yes to the calling of God to become empowered by the Holy Spirit so that Christ can be born in them. Isn't that what it is to be a Christian? A Christian is somebody who has said yes to God's calling so that then they can be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that Christ can be born in them. And that's exactly what Mary demonstrates for us. Before there were any Christians, Mary shows us what it looks like to be a Christian. So first, let's, let's see how Mary shows us what it means to say yes to God's calling. And, and to do that, um, I want to introduce you to one of my favorite paintings of the Annunciation, which is just a fancy way to say the announcement. Um, the Annunciation, it's the moment when Mary said yes. And uh, so this is by, uh, let's go to the next slide. Um, this is by Botticelli. And um, just take it in for a moment. Just, just take in some of the details of what's going on here. Um, First of all, don't trip on the fact that Mary and the angel Gabriel are very Italian. Um, every culture is going to depict Jesus and the different biblical characters in the way that they're most familiar. So, Italians have an Italian Jesus, the Chinese have a Chinese Jesus, Ethiopians, you, you get what I'm saying. So, Botticelli's Italian. 
Um, but there's some really great visual theology happening here. Um, first of all, notice how Gabriel is bent low and uh, reaching out slowly and gently, um, almost like you would with like a scared child, just to be like, it's okay, it's all right. And you, and you just get down in a place where you're, you're lower, you're less intimidating. And this is, we, we can't hear Gabriel saying, don't be afraid, but we can see it in, in, in his posture. Don't be afraid. And uh, I just wonder, I wonder if, uh, if for the most part, angels have to deal with humans like we're, you know, scared little kids. Because the way that they show up apparently is, they're, they're pretty freaky. It's pretty scary. It's pretty intense to be in their presence. And they just, they probably just talk amongst themselves to go, okay, I know you're going to go visit that human. And just so you know, you're going to totally freak them out. So maybe kind of assume a low posture and, and just start off your opening line just needs to be, don't be afraid because you're going to freak them out. But don't be afraid. He says, is the first thing he says to Mary. Has, has Yahweh ever asked you to do something that scared you? Scared you, where you had to hear the words, don't be afraid. Before you said yes to whatever it was that God was asking you to do, were, were you hoping that God was going to lay out the whole picture of where this whole thing was going, that he was going to give you all the details and all the plan? Were you hoping for even just like, just a small glimpse of like, where's this going? Before I say yes, like what am I saying yes to? Can you lay some things out for me? Did you, did you get that full disclosure? Or did you have to trust? In the, in the Christian life, you and I are going to have to um, face a lot of fears. It's a big part of what it is to follow Jesus. And, and, and we can't wait for the full picture before we obey. We also can't wait for our fears to be gone before we obey. Many times we're going to have to do it afraid. Last week, um, I, was, I was feeding my infant son, um, Jonathan, and, and just suddenly like all this, this fear and anxiousness just bubbled up in me. Uh, it just kind of like caught me by surprise, and I just like, I don't know where I went for a while. I just kind of just like, I don't know, I just kind of shut down. <laughs> poor, poor Jonathan, he's like waiting for me to spoon feed him another bite, and I'm just sitting there just like, ugh, just, um, just overwhelmed. And fear about, um, fear about the future, fear, fears about this baby church. As I'm feeding my baby, I'm thinking, this is a baby church. And I, just, I take a lot of responsibility for this, for this place, for this community, for you guys. And I, I feel a lot of that. Uh, it, and, and at times it overwhelms me. And a lot of it really, if I could sum it up, it's, it's, I was afraid about a lot of things that are beyond my ability to control. And um, things that are beyond my ability to know. I would, I would love to know all the details. I'd love to know where all this is going. I would love to know the, the right move to make or things like that. And, and Oakland is um, Oakland's a difficult place to be a Jesus follower. I feel that. I feel that for you guys as you share the, the struggles and things that you're trying to work out in your relationships and where you live and at work. It's, this is a tough place to be a Jesus follower. There's a lot of other places that, I don't know, we wouldn't deal with what we have to deal with around here. And, and North Oakland, specifically where we are, feels like hard soil for the gospel uh, to, to go out. And you just feel, you just, sometimes that just catches up with me, where you're just like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know that if God asked the right person to do this, you know? And um, even though, even though, years ago, I, I, I dreamt about this, I wanted to create this, this community with you guys, I am a reluctant leader. I just am. 
Um, and that might be comforting for some of you to hear. Uh, I, I might put on a brave face, but I'm, I'm a reluctant leader. I, I prefer the world of books and learning and um, ideas. Um, but, but years ago, um, I could tell you the story sometime where God asked me to create environments where people can have an encounter with God. And I, I happily said yes. I was just like, really? I would love to do that. And that's just been a theme throughout my life, is to create environments where people can connect with God. But, but to get out of my head and to get out of the world of ideas and to actually create something real with you guys, then that means that on a moment-by-moment basis, I have to face my fears. I have to face my insecurities. Um, there are so many places where I still need to grow. There are so many areas where I still lack clarity for how to take good care of you guys. But, and that means I have to do this afraid. I cannot wait until the fear is gone before I move. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't know where, where, where you all go with, go with this, but, but when we get right down to it, when you think about the things that, that you get afraid of, is it, is it a common theme that it's things that are beyond your ability to, uh, to control or things that are beyond your ability to understand? Like, if I only knew this or if I could only manage this outcome, is that... Is that connect to things that you guys would be afraid of? Sort of, yeah, maybe, yeah, okay. That's, that's me. And, um, and Mary's calling and the Christian life, it's a life where we surrender the outcomes, where we say, I don't have to know where all of this is going before I say yes. I don't have to have the whole picture. But here's, here's what's amazing about Mary. Think about what she is facing as she says yes to her call. There is so much judgment coming her way. Oh my goodness. When her community sees that growing belly and they know her story, these are tight-knit communities we're talking about. Everybody knows everything about everybody. Do you think when they see that growing belly that they're going to give her the benefit of the doubt? Do you think they're going to take the time to ask her about the extraordinary calling that God put on her life? Are, are, they, going to, are, they, or are they just going to talk to everybody else? except Mary. And, and then, um, then there's her fiancé, Joseph. Mary has found a really good man. Everything that we know about this guy, he's a good man. And, and this is the dream for so many people, to find their person. But when he sees her growing belly, Mary has no guarantee that Joseph is going to understand, that he's going to believe her, that he's going to, and, and that he would even take this a step forward, not just, not just believe her and, and trust her, but that he would then take on this burden and this calling with her and to say, I'm going to carry this with you. She has no guarantee that that's how he's going to respond. What if saying yes means that Mary is going to be completely alone in her obedience to God's call? That's what she's saying yes to. What if it means losing everything that her life had been building towards, everything she'd been hoping for and dreaming for? She has no control over what people are going to think. She has no control over how they're going to respond. And this is the Christian life. We are not in control of where Yahweh is taking us. The outcomes are not guaranteed for you and me. We just say yes. We just go on trust. And because Mary says yes, History pivots. Mary knows this. That's why she channels her, uh, her Lauren Hill, uh, before there was Lauren Hill, and she gives us this hip-hop revolution anthem. Um, some call it the Magnificat, but Mary's from the hood, y'all. 
and this, this is hip-hop, and she, she raps about how human history has now pivoted. She, now not just for her, this, this, is, this song, the language is us and we, she's, she's caught up in this big thing that God's doing, and she knows that what God is doing goes way beyond just her life. This is for her people. In her hip-hop anthem, all the passion of the Jewish people just wells up inside of her. Her song is the wild and fierce and irrepressible cry of Israel throughout the ages. All the questions and longings. The song says all the hopes, the hopes and fears of all the years, um, of thousands of years. It all like comes to a point in, in, in her. And MC Mary, she puts it to a song. She puts it to a rap. And there would be no song if she had not said yes to God's calling. The, her yes was what generated this, this creative act where she was able to, to put these words together. No yes, we would not have a song. No yes, history doesn't pivot. But Mary said, I am the servant of Yahweh. Let it be to me as you've said. Now, that, that might sound passive, you know, let it be to me as, you, as you've said, but this, this yes is not passive. Mary is taking full ownership and responsibility for her part in God's story. She is a woman who refused to just let things happen to her. And um, I don't know about you, but it, I, I look around, and even at myself, and I think there's too many people who don't take responsibility for the shape that their lives take. Too many people just let things happen to them. And then when they don't like how things turn out, we complain or we numb ourselves or we go passive, but not Mary. She was deeply rooted in her people's story. You look at the lyrics of her, of her hip-hop rhyme and you'll, you'll see she knows that her yes means that she's stepping into this larger, bigger story, way bigger than just her own story. She knows that history is going to pivot because of her yes. And because she refused to be passive, because she said, I'm the servant of Yahweh, let it be to me as you've said, she, she was prepared for the most wonderful thing to happen through her. Mary's yes ushered in the new humanity, the new world that God had intended to bring so that Jesus could make all things new. Wherever, wherever we are, whoever we are, the responsibility and for the, for the integrity of our life, for the beauty of our life, it belongs to us and nobody else. Nobody else is going to live my life for me. Nobody else is going to live your life for you. Nobody else can. Saying yes to God means that we're going to get up every morning and take ownership for the life that God has given to us with all its limitations, with all the frustrations, with all the good things, but to take full ownership for the life that God has given to us and, and, and to say, today, I'm going to put my distinct, unique, unrepeatable stamp on this day that God's given to me, this breath that's in my lungs, the ability that I have, the relationships that I have, the good, the bad, every part of it. This is, this is the life that God's given me and nobody else can live it for me. Saying yes means that we're going to decide to set the mood for our day rather than letting the circumstances of our life and the conditions of the day rule the mood and the attitude of the day. To say, nope, I know that's, go well, that's what's going on, but this is, this is my life and I'm setting the mood. I'm setting the tune. 
I'm, I'm, I'm changing the temperature in the atmosphere here. Saying, saying yes means that we're going to recognize that this is God's story that I'm a part of, and what he is up to is bigger than just me. This is for all of us. Our, our, when we say yes, that yes is for others. Saying yes to God means that we are servants of what God wants to do in the world. If we identify, like Mary, as a servant, then we're saying my role in my story is that I am not the main character. Jesus is the main character, and I play a supporting role. So at Kingdom Come, when God hands out the, uh, the heavenly Oscars, um, I'm going for best supporting actor, and you're going for best supporting actor or best supporting actress. If we identify as a servant, we're saying, I don't need to have control. I don't need to have the whole picture before I trust you, God. And I am giving you my story. I'm giving you my body. I'm giving you my dreams. Whatever you want to do with this. And um, that might sound scary if you don't have a whole lot of experience with, with this yet, to go, what, what does God do when you give him that, that total yes? But, but the, the paradox of the Christian life is that because servants are, are bound to the will of their king, they're bound, but they're actually free. And it's, the, it's, it's I, don't know, I don't know that I could explain it. I think it's just something you have to experience to, to know that when you've, you've, you've bound yourself completely over to the king, to then there's this, this tremendous experience of, of freedom that you have. Being, being bound to the will of the king, it means that we are free from the tyranny of other people's opinions. I don't know about you, I am a people pleaser. Um, if, you, if you are a people pleaser, uh, the person next to you will raise your hand for you to say yep. And, um, but but, but if, 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 you, if you are truly free, um, you don't have to serve their will anymore. You, their opinion mat- starts to matter a whole lot less because you go, I'm not li- you're not my main audience. I'm not doing this for you. It means also that we, we become more and more set free from our need to control the outcomes and to know all the details and the full plan and free from our fear of what might happen if we don't have it all worked out. Uh, I was talking to Joyce about the worst case scenario handbook. Uh, I don't know if you guys have experienced this before, but the worst case scenario handbook will tell you like, if, here's, how to, here's how to fight off a mountain lion if there's a mountain lion attack. Probably never gonna happen to any of us, but just in case, there's a section on that. Here's how if you're on the run and you need to jump off of a building into a dumpster and land safely without breaking your back, here's what you do. Here's how to run on the top of a moving train. Um, it's a really fun gift, but most of those scenarios will never happen to us. But, but it's a very real thing for me where when I'm facing something that's unknown, I, I want to have all these different plans for here's how, what I'll do, here's how I'll respond, if this, if that, if this. But giving our lives over to the will of the king means we, we get more and more set free from that kind of mindset because we've decided to trust God with the outcomes and, and to do what's, what's right. Um, there was a pope, I forget which one, who his, his nightly prayer would be, God, it's your church, I'm going to bed. And I love that. It was just like, and I, I, I'm, like, I'm taking that on because I, I over-own this, this community and everything that's happening here. And sometimes when my, my mind is spinning, I just go, okay, God, it's your church, I'm going to bed. And I just have to remember that because um, it, it was never mine. It was never mine in the first place. So that, that, that freedom of, of, from other people's opinions, that freedom to control the outcomes, like, am I there yet? No way. 
Um, I'm on a journey, just the same as you, but I, I, get, I get little glimpses of that freedom when I say a small yes to God. Um, and it makes me want to be more free. It, wants me to, it makes me want to say a more total, complete yes. But a small yes is only going to give us a small amount of freedom. A to- total freedom in our life is going to require a total yes. And Mary shows us the way with her, with her total yes. So um, that was a lot, I know. Um, so let's talk about this for a little bit. Um, in groups of three, uh, how, just in the last few minutes, how, how does Mary's life and example redefine things for you like surrender, servanthood, freedom? How, is the, how does that get reshaped in light of what you're seeing with Mary? Or um, how is Mary, uh, how is God through Mary's story calling you to a deeper, more total yes? He's, he's, he's breaking you out of a small yes and, and calling you into a bigger, more total yes, okay? So let's talk about that for a little bit in groups of three. Go for it. All right, I, I, if you're in the middle of a thought, just continue it with the rest of the, rest of the room. I'd, I'd love to hear. Um, I wish I was omnipresent and I could hear all the conversations because I'm sure you guys are all talking about great stuff. If that would be, that would be my superpower, to be able to be part of all the circles and hear what you guys are saying. But um, Some thoughts? Um, anybody, external process, verbal processors, who don't mind? Uh, how is Mary redefining uh, servanthood, surrender? What else we got here? Freedom. Or how is God calling you to a deeper, more total yes? Any, any thoughts that you'd want to share with the rest of the group? I'd love to hear. Yeah, what, what does it say about her character that she doesn't have to vindicate herself? Yeah, I, everything in me would want to be like, yeah, you don't know the story. Let me, t-. yeah. Gosh, I can't imagine. Yeah. Laura. And I want, to, I want to sit with that picture you just gave me, too, of her crying every night, just to go, like, just because she said yes didn't, doesn't mean it was easy. And, like, there's this whole prayer book of the Jewish people called the Psalms, and right there is, like, every possible emotion and frustration and question you could have right there. If you, if you don't know how to talk to God when, you're, when you feel like you're all alone or you, don't, you can't believe people are treating you this way, somebody else has already prayed that prayer, and it's right there in the Psalms, and you'll go, oh, so I can talk to God like that? Yeah, you can. You can. And I imagine, I imagine she pulled from a lot of those to go, God, you see me, even if these other people don't. You see me. So uh, we, we, we brought this up at the beginning. Before there were any Christians, Mary already demonstrates the Christian life. So first of all, where we give this total yes to God's calling, but just because we said yes doesn't mean that we're the ones who make things happen. We, we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit because we can't do this for ourselves. This is what Yahweh has to do in us and through us. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about next, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, at the very beginning of the story, um, the Creator formed us from the dust of the earth, but we did not come alive until our Creator breathed life into us. The Spirit of God is the life of God. And in the opening lines of the creation um, Genesis story, uh, the Spirit, we're told, is, is hovering over the, 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 these chaotic waters, a hovering picture like a mama bird uh, hovering over her babies until the, until the eggs hatch, until her babies are born into the world. It's this, it's this mothering, protective, powerful image of bringing life into the world. That was the first creation. 
And then the angel Gabriel uses the same kind of hovering language to describe this new creation, this new thing that's going to happen. Mary's like, how is this possible? I'm not, I'm not married yet. How, how, how am I going to have a baby? And, the, and the Gabriel uses the same kind of imagery to describe something so mysterious, so powerful, um, that's going to take place. The new birth is going to take place in Mary, but it's the Spirit of God who makes this possible. So uh, back to Botticelli and that artwork we looked at. Look at the window just above Gabriel, and you're going to see on the right side a town, and then on the left side this royal castle. And those two realms are um, separated by a river, but then um, they're, they're connected by a bridge. And this is a picture of earth and heaven, of God's realm, the kingdom, and our realm um, being reunited. And then growing up right in the middle of the window is this tree, which throughout the scriptures, a tree is a symbol for a kingdom. So specifically here, it's the kingdom of God um, that's taking root here. And we're meant to see with all this imagery that what's, what's about to happen in this moment is Yahweh bridging the gap between us and him. He's, he's reuniting us. And how's he going to do this? So what you do, trace the path that your eye takes from the bridge to the tree, and then follow it down to the lily stalk that Gabriel's holding in, in his hands, to the lily, and then from the lily to the two hands. You see the two hands just about to touch? Gabriel and Mary their two hands, this is, this is a picture of heaven and earth just about to touch, just about to be reunited. And then you follow the line from Gabriel's hand to Mary's, and you see Mary's robes are opened. And the women in the room can tell you that this is, a, this is an open womb that we're meant to see here. So we trace the whole journey and we trace the journey. It starts with the kingdom of heaven. And how does the kingdom of heaven come to us? How are we reunited with God? It's with the kingdom of heaven being joined to the womb of a human. Heaven is going to be reunited to earth. And, and this has been God's plan. This has been God's goal ever since the story pivoted dramatically and drastically um, in, the, in the wrong direction. The, the, the whole scriptures is, is God getting us back to this, back to this reunion that he always wanted to be. He always wanted to be reunited to us. And how's God going to do that? He's going to do it through new life being formed in a human womb. And so Mary shows us that a Christian is somebody who allows themselves to be an open womb, to say, God, whatever you need to do here, the new life I can't bring this new life for myself. I can't restore my own humanity. I can't save myself. But, but here I am. I'm up for this if this is what you want to do in me. Only the Spirit can make us human again. In, in, in the first creation, God had to breathe into us before we were human. And in this new creation, God has to breathe His Spirit into us so that He can restore our humanity. That's what He's been doing all along. And so when we say yes to the work of the Spirit, it's, it's beautiful because what we're saying yes to is, God, restore my humanity. Make me whole again. Make me new again. There's so many ways that I've given my life over to things that dehumanize myself or other people have done or said things to me that have wrecked my humanity, that have, have dragged me down. And God, here I am. 
Would you restore my humanity again? That's what it is to be a Christian. That's what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. That's what we're offering to other people is to say, God wants to restore your humanity. God wants to give you life again. And you can't do it for yourself. So Mary demonstrates this life of saying yes to God and being empowered by the Spirit of God. And all of this is so that Christ can be born in us. And so now I want to show you another piece of artwork. It's by Sister Grace Remington. This one's a little more recent, like maybe in the last 10, 15 years. Um, what, who you're looking at here is Eve on the left and Mary. And just, just take it in for a second. Eve is our first mother from the first creation. And Mary is the mother of Jesus, who's going to bring the new creation. And I, I like to think in this picture, it's like they were at some cosmic party or something where they, they didn't know that they knew each other at first, but then they get introduced to each other and they realize that they're just deeply connected on so many levels. There's just this, this sisterhood that um, this, this thing happening powerfully between them in the room. And in this moment, Eve is experiencing hope and grace from just this shame and brokenness that she thought she'd never see an end to. And I want you to see something else. What's, what's wrapped around Eve's leg? The serpent. the serpent. And what is beneath Mary's foot? So this is so cool. When, when Adam and Eve believed the lies of the serpent, and they rejected the words of their creator, and they took their destiny into their own hands, they sent the human race into exile. And that's what happens when you and I reject the voice of our creator. When we, when we reject the voice of the author of life, we go against the way he intended things to be, then we have effectively chosen death. To be separated from the life-giving God is to experience exile, which is a living death. Even though you haven't physically died, it's the moment you're disconnected from the author of life. You're a walking dead person. And so Eve bows her head in shame because she knows, she knows, she and her husband set her family on a trajectory towards death. And she carries that with her. But I love that Mary holds Eve's face and, and she places Eve's hand on her belly. And you see Eve, she's looking right at Mary's belly. And Mary holds Eve's face and she just has this look of compassion on her face. No judgment. She holds Eve's hand to her belly because Mary would agree, yeah, Eve, yes, that, that was a terrible day for humanity. But hang on. Did you feel that kick? Did you feel that kick? Everything is going to be okay. On that terrible day when the human story took a dark turn, Yahweh spoke the gospel. Genesis 3 verse 15 is the first gospel. Yahweh says to the serpent, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. There is a war between you two, between your offspring and hers. Here's the thing. You are going to strike his heel. Who's his? Who's this person we're talking about? Already, there's this picture of, of someone coming. You will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. The biblical story shows us that um, between, between Eve and Mary, um, from the moment Eve, you know, Eve's on the scene all the way from Eve to Mary, we see how the loving God is at work to put the human race on a totally new trajectory. The seed of the woman was born into the world to save the world. 
he, this, this, this he, this him that we're talking about, this, this coming person already in Genesis 3, we're told is going to rescue. Yahshua. Try saying that. Yahshua. Yahweh to the rescue. That's what Jesus' name means. Gabriel told Mary, name this child Yahweh to the rescue. This is how Yahweh puts the human race on a brand new trajectory, not towards exile and death, but towards reunification and life. Through a child born of a woman who said yes. Who said, hey, do you feel that kick? Everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to be put right. This is how God rescues us from our exile. This is how God restores us to our full humanity. And Mary shows us the way. To be a Christian, to be fully human, we say yes to God's call. And we receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so that Christ can be born in us. Today, as we get ready for Christmas, how, how has God been talking to you through all this? How is God calling you to respond? Maybe, maybe it's the case that you've been a Christ follower for some time now, but there, there's areas of your life where you would say, I, I've been giving a small yes to God. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's time for a total yes in that area of our lives.